Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Swedes 2 Turnips 1. This is the podcast where the team from The Sun Football tell all the stories they've been saving for their autobiographies. From set twos with superstars to kickoffs with colleagues, we'll hear how the stories happen and what happens to the ones too hot to print. From gossip and tip-offs to world-exclusive interviews, we will cover it all. I'm Rashmin Chowdhury and joining me in the studio today, we have The Sun's head of sports, Sean Custis, the football editor, Charlie Wyatt, and football writer from The Sun, Mr. Paul Jiggins. Love how you get the Mr. Paul. Indeed. Obviously very important. Now, on every show, we start with a quick fire round just to get things rolling. Okay, you've got to answer with the first thing that comes into your head. First up, quite a mild one, this, but I'm interested to hear. What is your least favourite football ground to report from? Sean? Manchester United. Controversial. Very controversial. It's not because of the ground, it's not because of the atmosphere, it's because of the press box. And sitting in it is like hell on earth. Uh, It's so cramped. I'm six foot two and a bit. Your knees are trapped. You hope to get the uh, desk on the end so you can put one knee onto the steps. If, if you try to get down into your uh, computer bag to get a pen out or anything, you can't do it. You're stuck. If you're in the middle, it, it's horrendous. You, it's a very thin table. To it's put, very intimate. To put your laptop on. <laughs> it is very, very intimate. But it was so difficult. I mean, it's a while since I reported from there because I'm, I'm not now on the football report all the time. But... Honestly, that was the one I least look forward to. You come out with a bad back, bad shoulders, sore elbows. I mean, I know it's first world problems and you're covering Manchester United, but honestly, for a place to work during the match, the worst. Charlie? Bramall Lane, Sheffield United, purely because uh, it was a League Cup game against Tottenham. Um, I I could only see half the pitch. Um, That's helpful. Yeah, so literally I could only see um, half the game, so, you know, all the jokes about being one-eyed and all that sort of stuff. (laughs) Literally, I was was relying on... uh, on, online and a couple of colleagues further down because there was some like a commentary hut that stuck <laughs> out. I'm hoping to go there again this season. I'm hoping um, maybe to see uh, all the pitch. Mm, maybe <laughs> some improvements. Paul? Sellers Park. Three hours from anywhere, even Croydon. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You're the first person to say they don't want to go to Sellers Park. Actually, another one is Barcelona. That's not great to report from either. That is really difficult. You're You're quite high up. Very high up. It has half glass Mm. and half open, uh, distorts the pitch. If you're on the second row, you can't see it properly, and you're about a mile and a half from the pitch. Uh, There's commentary booths to the side. You're quite cramped in. So. Ordinarily, people would say, "Oh, it must be Shrewsbury, or it must be <laughs> yeah. you know things like that, or Barnsley, or something." It's not. Sometimes the best football stadiums aren't necessarily the best places to work. What is the best? I'd go Tottenham at the moment. The new stadium, I think, it's fantastic. Everything thought of there, fantastic. Yeah, I know it's most modern stadium the and it deserves to be. To be honest, all, all the grounds in Russia, the World Cup, I thought they were all uh, yeah, I'd go over there. Yeah, well equipped. The best yeah. one I ever Good. worked in was. Uh, Durban for the World Cup semi-final the new one in Durban absolutely that had the loss I've never found a place to beat that one Okay so on the first podcast we talked about following England on tour how different is it when you're 
reporting on the big Premier League sides on tour. Well, that's all different. But I mean, pre-season you normally focus in. It's not so much. It's not so immediate. It's very similar to covering an international tournament. Uh, when you come down into Champions League and Europa League and you're, and you're following a, a, a club abroad, there's much more immediacy and it's much more surrounding the game as well. So everything's about the game, whether it's the preview uh, the day before or you know the match itself and then the stuff you get in the mix home for the follow-up. But you know, uh, pre-season tours are very similar to covering international teams at tournaments, I think. Pre-seasons are probably the most fun you'll get. Quite relaxed, aren't they? They are quite relaxed. There's usually, you get pretty good access to players as opposed to yeah. I mean when you go on a trip you mm. it just isn't isn't going to happen it's just bam bam you're in you're out actually in in the olden days we used to travel with the team a lot of the times on their flight to the game that doesn't happen anymore you used to do that with England or mm. Glenn Hoddle but so that was that was pretty much better the players used to get fed up with you because you would be they would be back to the airport and they would be waiting for you to get on the plane believe me if they'd lost and you were like half an hour back after them. You're the do last what you person call, they want to see. You do what you call the walk of shame. So you'd come in the plane at the top and they would be sitting there and you had to walk <laughs> to the back of the plane, past the players, and they were not pleased to see you. My favourite trip of all time, club trip. This is gone down in legend with any of the press pack who were on this. 2007, Chelsea were on tour in California, Los Angeles, and Beckham was just about to move to LA Galaxy. Thought he'd, he'd moved there. So we're there for two reasons and Chelsea backroom staff challenged the journalists to a match at UCLA in California and it was like amazing so they gave us all the kit the boots and what we didn't know was that the players were going to come and watch as well (laughs) and they had wound up their backroom staff you have got to beat a bunch of journos, <laughs> most of whom weren't in the best of shape. You surely have to beat the journos. We get there. The entire Chelsea first team is lined along the touchline. So we're talking those massive stars. That was yeah, yeah. That I'm talking was, Terry Lampard. Yeah, or yeah, the, exactly. The whole lot. Marine, uh, Mourinho. Uh, yeah. um, Abramovich is there with his girlfriend, and Mourinho is playing in the team, and Mourinho's in goal, <laughs> and uh, Steve Clark's in midfield, and he's. He, he puts a tackle in, and this was an unbelievable blood and thunder game of football. No kidding. And the longer we stayed in it, we, we went 1-0 down. The longer we stayed in it, the more the players were winding up their own backroom staff to, you know, what are you doing? You can't beat this lot. What's going on? And we equalised, and it was one all. And Mourinho, as I say, was in goal, was clearly a little rattled by this. So after about 82 minutes... He went down injured, and he was carried off. He was, Dirty he was, tricks, he was, he was stretched really? Off to bring on this goalkeeper called Silvino Laro, who was the goalkeeping coach at Chelsea, and who played <laughs> for Porto in '82 in the, um, I think it was at UEFA Cup final. Because Mourinho had decided if it was a draw, it would go to penalties. So of course we get a draw, which is magnificent, and they and we think that's it. Yeah. But oh no, Mourinho has yeah, decreed it's going plan, to penalties, yeah. and he's got this guy who won a European trophy in goal. We've got John Cross of the Daily Mirror, <laughs> but we lose the game. With on all penalties, due respect, but it's to John. a fantastic, a fantastic game. I mean, just was it ninety minutes? Ama- yes, it was a full. It was, it was a full, a full ninety minutes. Oh, it was full ninety minutes. Full How game, many? What everything. five aside or? No, it was eleven aside. Eleven aside. Oh, it was actually eleven aside. Proper, proper wow. eleven aside game. Absolutely brilliant. But just everybody who played in that will tell you how fantastic it was. Except, of course, the Chelsea backroom staff who felt yeah. humiliated and uh, couldn't show their face to the and, players. And then on how the did it line. end? 
Well, that was it. So one all, that we lose penalties. some penalties. It's, well, you it's lost fine. Some penalties, right? yeah, yeah, we lose some penalties, but it's okay. So anyway, I had organised for us to go that night to the House of Blues uh, on Sunset Boulevard to see Dolores O'Riordan, who was the Cranberries. Um, so we we go along. Um, brilliant. Well, we've had a great afternoon. Mm. One one with Chelsea. Now we're off to see Dolores O'Riordan. Couldn't be and better. Living the dream. Great. Starts off. <laughs> starts off. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Zombie, zombie. Yeah. Bouncing around. Zombie, zombie. Great. Three songs in. The drummer starts shaking. Falls off his stool. He's had some sort of fit. Lights go up. Dolores looks at him. Storms off the stage. Police come in. Clear everybody out, please. Everybody clears out. Three songs in, gone. End of the end of Dolores O'Riordan's concert. Walk up the street, walk round the corner, and literally walk into this bloke who is splayed out on a park bench halfway across Sunset Boulevard on his own. Okay. And we turn around. It's Mike Tyson. No. That is not I, anybody who, who's on this trip will tell you. Mike Tyson is lying on a park bench. He goes, "Hi, boys." How are you doing? Uh, you could not all, make this we're up. All right, Mike. You and all the, the photographers. There was a lot of photographers with us at the time. All sort of they got a picture with him and all like it is Mike Tyson. It literally was. Apparently, the story was that every year comes to Sunset Boulevard for a week, walks up and down, goes to various different bars, and sleeps on a bench, and and sleeps on a bench. <laughs> and we we went back to the hotel. I woke up the next day. I thought that is impossible to replicate of anything yeah. I ever do in my football life yeah. to draw one one with Chelsea back team in front of all the players <laughs> to then go and watch this concert which got changed then to come up the road and trip over Mike Tyson you can't beat it I'll never beat that it that is amazing can either of you Charlie well, or Paul uh, top that no I'm going to Genk in a few weeks <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not expecting Benfica <laughs> Tottenham so I'll see you there Benfica Tottenham Europa League okay so arrive at the hotel which was a UEFA hotel got in the lift which year was that Oh, I don't know. Tim Sherwood was in charge when he oh, right. went okay. so on the seven touchline. Seven years ago, maybe. Yes. Mm. So got up in the lift, and there was a health club on the top floor. So lift stops at the second floor. Fella gets in in just a towel, shaving oh. the fella, starts smiling. It makes me feel very unnerving. You know, yeah. was he like really fit or anything? Well, well, I'm you know I'm a married man, but yeah, he looked, he looked quite <laughs> decent. You know, and uh, and be explained. <laughs> so anyway, go uh, head to the before the game. Um, goes down, lift stops, he gets in, smiles and starts sort of conversation again. I'm thinking... Is he oh, fully dressed at this point? He's fully dressed right, now. Okay. But even then, it's still a bit unnerving, <laughs> as you know, what British people are like, we don't talk to each other on the tubes, let alone stuck yeah. in the lift with someone. Then Especially the lift, if they're just wearing Then the lift door opens and the flash gun's galore and it was Zinedine Zidane. Oh! <laughs> I didn't even know it was. You didn't recognise Zizou! <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> to be fair, all I was thinking was, please keep that towel up. <laughs> <laughs> wow! No. Incredible. That's incredible. How How did you on not Twitter somewhere, all, all the British press back with him. How did you not realise that was easy? <laughs> I don't know. But well, you know. just didn't want to get face, the, did you? It's enough covering you Tottenham. You were looking at the ground, weren't about worrying about what's in the, the end of the What was he doing at Benfica Tottenham? Uh, I have no the idea hotel? then. I, I don't know if he was at Real Madrid then or not. I don't know if he no, was. He, no, he would have left. It'd been before then. And so, obviously, you know, he wasn't on my football stream of consciousness so I didn't expect to see him at Benfica <laughs> like Tottenham that. exactly, yes, exactly that's Actually, so that's my excuse I stayed with my family at, um, in Worsley in Manchester for Real Madrid Man United so it was, uh, must have been a half term so my son and wife and daughter were with me and uh, I'd gone off to cover the game or I'd, they'd been around during the day I'd been out and about or whatever and uh, when I came back uh, my missus said something like oh uh, Scott was in the, uh, the lobby it was nice people talking to him and 
and that. And uh, the nice news people. came on. The, the news came on, and there was this bloke playing really well in midfield. And she goes, "That was him. That was that, that was the bloke Scott was talking to." I went, "Oh, Zinedine Zidane." I said, "Scott, what do you, what do you say to you?" He said, "Do you like football?" He asked me if I like football. I said, "What do you say?" No, <gasps> that was it. So wow. otherwise, I, if I, I don't wow. when Zinedine uh, Zidane made a pass on me, it'd be with a football, not in a towel. <laughs> 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 Once, um, bizarrely, I had to have a, a, a dribbling football race with Zidane. It was on the pitch at um, Anderlecht, and it was um, ahead of Euro 2000. And there's two or three journalists. It was utterly bizarre. Um, it, was, it was done through Adidas. And um, we had to do a dribbling race against Zidane. He's obviously laughing at the fact that... <laughs> How you know, can anyone have he, to do he, this he, challenge? He, 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 he'd obviously completed his task a lot quicker than mine. And then we had to... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it was uh, Del Piero telling us how to take free kicks and then how we had to score past Edwin van der Sar and I think it was Zidane doing the crossing and I actually slipped and as a result did this amazing header past van der Sar which is obviously you know, you? a total fluke because I slipped and that, 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 that was um, one man slips another man's diving header Charles Come on. <laughs> yeah, uh, 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 indeed, uh, indeed absolutely Jigger. but I, I think the Champions League trips now um, they, they are obviously they're, they're very different to international tournaments we mm. said earlier because they are quite very short. regimented aren't very they regimented as well. journalists as Sean said tend not to go travel with the teams anymore Arsenal were one of the last ones to and, and Wenger had got it in his head that it was the journalists delaying the team after the final whistle and there's been stories of I've had colleagues literally with their computer trying to finish their rewrite their match mm. report getting on the the, the Praise the, it's running yeah. along the runway. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, absolute nightmare. I can see you've all been there. Oh, yeah. And it was very much the walk of shame, as Sean said, all the players. Yeah. Or, or, or sometimes you'd be hurried and you'd get to the airport and then there's, there's Emmanuel Adebayo still buying perfume in Duty Free or something. <laughs> but in the end, I think Wenger realised that uh, it wasn't actually the journalist delaying takeoff. It was actually the kit. And, and oh. so, in the end, from then on, journalists never went on any more Arsenal trips. So it's actually, you know, it's the, it's, it was always the kit getting the kit on the, on the planes, which, um, which delayed everyone rather than the journalists. As a result, we don't really see them so much. They're sort of thirty-six hour trips. So now you spend all your time sitting in the back of a Ryanair or an EasyJet, hoping yeah. that the fans don't recognise you or give you abuse. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, that's one. That's one, that's isn't it? One, you yes. just kind of want to hide, don't you? Who are the best managers on these pre-season tours? If you commit. To going on the pre-season tour, there's usually a, a, a sort of company that we will get the star player mm. and the manager who will do a sit down with you for daily papers and possibly the Sunday papers if you send, if you'll say we're going to cover it. It is the time, if honest, when you properly do get to know a manager. They will sp they're not doing a lot. They're prepared to spend an hour or so. Magnificent one with Mourinho, I remember and you get them in a much more relaxed because they're, they're not in a hurry they, they mm. haven't got to get out to training and they will sit around and even off the record chat to you as well it's probably the best chat you will get with manager or player your entire Such season an insight for, and that, and oh, that yeah, can set you up to look going into the season yeah. as well what's the best chat who's got the best chat the best one I had was Andre Villas-Boas I don't remember oh, really? when Liverpool played sorry he, he was at Tottenham then and Pat Sheehan he was then had Tottenham correspondent then went, went over to be our boxing correspondent so I filled in with him on the tour and part of the game was it was somewhere like Seattle, I think, and then they played Liverpool in Baltimore. And that was a game, I don't remember it, when Charlie Adam went through Gareth Bale. So I, I, I was the only London journalist there because all the other journalists in Baltimore were from the North West, so they were from the Liverpool patch. 
and I'd only well, not even met Andre Villas Boas and Simon Feldstein, the Tottenham hmm. uh, uh, press chief, come round the corner and said, "Oh, the gaffer wants a word." Oh, he wants a word. So took me in, took me into the dressing room hmm. and said, "Look, look what he's done." And Bow Bow had been taken off on a stretcher, and he went, "Right, I wanted to make Adam look like so and so." Um, listen to what Gout's got to say. Oh. Sorry, another great accent, as you can tell. Yeah, you're um, very good at these. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know I'm this could be a whole other career for uh, Absolutely. Again. He then, Gout said, oh, he'd spoken to someone before the game in the Liverpool squad who probably would have been Bellamy or someone, you know, giving him any Welsh links, who said that Adam was going to do him on the pitch. Mm. They had a set to it and filled the same season a couple of times. And I think Adam had also either been booked or sent off for a challenge the previous season on him. Maybe he stood me at the door of the dressing room and he said, no one's allowed to leave until he's spoken to who he wants to speak to. So I then spoke to Gareth Bell. Um, I then spoke to a couple of other players who said they'd heard the same thing. It was great copy. Mm. And, and sort of unprecedented. Yeah. They've still put Bell in, in a wheelchair, taking him out. And then the following evening... They, Did he need a wheelchair? Mm, this is where it gets... Mm. Two, like, two days later, we went to New York where they played the New York Red Bulls and they went to a do in Manhattan a business complex and one of the skyscrapers and turned up and Gareth Bell said sort of quite sheepishly I need to have a word because we said it could be out for the start of the season mm. I said you're playing tomorrow aren't you he said yes I said I thought you might be I said but he said but the boss didn't want to you know didn't want, yeah. to, didn't want to take the edge off the story so he knew how to play the game AVB yeah. Um, you know, the media game, if not always a football game. Yeah. We used to go on when when Rafa Benitez was Chelsea manager. Rafa had a way; often would fly back straight after. Had a horrible uh, habit of landing at Gatwick at quarter to three in the morning, and at about half past one, Rafa would invariably say, "Yeah, come down the back of the plane." And he would have an off-the-record conversation for about 45 minutes. Obviously all geared his particular way. Yes. Tell you all sorts. And he would go into a few Liverpool stories about, the, you know, the truth about me and Gerard and all of this sort of stuff. I don't... I, I know he always felt a bit miffed that Gerard didn't think like he, he, be, he believed much. in him yes. properly or, or yeah. whatever. And uh, you get long... And, and after he'd done this about three times, when it came to the third time, I go, oh, no. <laughs> Here we <laughs> go. rougher again. I want to sleep. I want to rougher at the back of the plane. And finally, my, um, my one with Bobby Robson, which started off badly but ended all right. So I'd written something in the paper about that there were so many cliques at Newcastle United that mm. they needed four different dressing rooms to accommodate the players. <laughs> and it was, this was only halfway in the middle of a, some sort of match report. Well... He went off the dial with the local press saying this was an outrage and all of that. And that uh, um, is that reporter brave enough to come up? Because I was working out of London to mm. come up, see him, and talk about it. Oh, he was. So, Wasn't he? he was. So I said, <laughs> so. so I couldn't not go. Newcastle's my team's my hometown. So I had to go there. And it was a day he was holding a press conference for the preview of the match, but he wanted to see me afterwards. And clearly the local journos have been tipped off one of them was my friend who was jeff brown who worked for the local tv station actually interviewed bobby about this scandalous stuff i said thanks jeff you're me mate he said oh it's just great tv sean it's going to be really really good david craig of sky comes out he goes he's absolutely slaughtered you great <laughs> off to do that on tv so i go in to see bobby robson he says huh what's this about then son i go what, you know, four different dressing rooms, four different dressing rooms. They tell me you're a Newcastle fan. You're not, are you? <laughs> I goes, I am. I really, I really am a Newcastle fan. But this is this is the information I had. This is how I feel about it. This, 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 this. What do you know? Give me your football credentials. So I, 
Uh, uh, what do you know about it? Not necessarily I'm going to play it. Yeah. That could be another conversation. So I start explaining about how I've worked on the Newcastle Chronicle, yeah, the yeah. journal, I know, I know. And then I say this thing about, and, you know, I like my non-league football. Non-league football? Go on, tell me about non-league football then. I can match you for non-league football. I said, well, my wife's cousin, Alan Driver, played for North Shields and I think the FA Vols final night six. Alan Driver? I know Alan Driver, he says. <laughs> he has rattled, was he, yeah? He says, because oh, obviously he came, he came from, yeah, yeah. he knew all the non-league football. He proceeds to go to, you go to Spartans, did you go and see Bly Spartans in the FA Cup? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. What a run that was, he says. Yeah. He says, you like them, did you? Uh-huh. What about the other clubs? What about anybody else? Did you used to go watch Darlington Hartlepool as well? Did you? Yeah, I used to go and put a lot. Brilliant. And we proceeded to have three quarters now conversation this about is all sorts of northeast yeah. football. And at the end he goes, I didn't agree with you, son, but you're all right. Something oh, fantastic. Wow. Oh, nice one. Well, if Bobby Robson thinks you're all right, well, in the I'll end, I don't that. think he thought I was I'll all right. I'll take that any day of the that week. That didn't mean that the programmes that went out later still weren't <laughs> him slaughtering <laughs> me on the local when, 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 when Bobby Robson was manager of Ipswich. Uh, for these European trips, rather than a normal two-nighter, it's normally, you know, team goes out the day before the game, obviously, and comes back either after the match or the day after. Uh, Bobby Robson, al- al- along with the, the, the Cobolds that used to run Ipswich, agreed that they should be three-day trips. So you go out two days before the game. So when Ipswich got back into Europe in 2001, they finished fifth in the Premier League, uh, George Burley, they decided to keep that to three mm. days so I was covering Ipswich it was a nightmare for the offices because we were going Tuesday morning ahead of a Thursday night away for cup match what you do? and um, yeah, and uh, yeah and we come back on a Friday and there was uh, they beat Torpedo Moscow Ipswich in their second game they played Helsingborg in Sweden and we went out on the Tuesday and it was mixed seating at Ipswich then so journalists weren't sat together and uh, there, there was one time I think I was sat between George Burley and Matt Holland the captain right. you know slight, slightly odd and the, the Ipswich doctor insisted they wanted to still go to Sweden two days early because of the potential of jet lag <laughs> and um, the, um, the, the night before the game we were in a bar and uh, it's about midnight and George Burley comes in into this bar and instantly looks at us and says look I've only come in because it's it's a bit cold outside chaps isn't it we then pointed out the Ipswich team hotel was across the road from the bar um, but yeah the, the the offices used to absolutely hate we used to call them sort of sheep shanks holidays oh. you know to, to <laughs> actually, and, and then they ended up uh, getting in through to Inter Milan and Ipswich got relegated mm. and then they got back into Europe on the fair play league so even though they're in championship we then got another whole run of going <laughs> to um <laughs> to uh, Belgrade and Liberec and uh, you know unfortunately we have not been seen since but yeah it was very much a burly carrying on the Bobby Robson's uh, proud it's tradition of trips and that's why tours and when you go away with clubs are so valuable because just like players when they go on international duty and they always say something to their home media and they come back and they go oh we were misquoted, misquoted or, 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 or the, translation. the translation was wrong it yeah. seems like when you get a manager out of or players out of their usual environment you do you can get a little bit more from them. They're more relaxed. Their their tongues are a little bit looser. Do you then get the press officers, as as you just mentioned there, coming in saying, oh, they didn't mean that? I mean, who were the trickiest press officers to deal with? This is... um, It depends if you want to talk. Past or present. I'm saying Mr. (laughs) Feldstein at Tottenham is fantastic. Best press officer in the league. difficult. (laughs) And I was okay in LA last year when executive Donna Cullen turned around in front of an audience and said... 
the sun they've not covered themselves in glory by saying our new stadium won't be open in time you wait and see so I've, not, I've, I've not made <laughs> who had the last laugh there <laughs> <laughs> you know I've not made anything of that I think you know we, we know about sort of blind smoke over his backside can you get that done no. Simon's done a, a good job there <laughs> yeah but we I think don't want to do that with Simon I think a lot of clubs now I think they've really improved on the media yeah front. you've got to remember as well at one time certainly when I started out there weren't press officers there weren't any heads of communication yeah. you rang a football club and said can I speak to just the manager, please. Yeah. Can or just speak? rang the training, or rang the training ground, ground and a player player. would pick it up. Uh, all right, George, it's the sun on the line for you. There you go. I'm or you'd go down to the training ground and yeah. off the off chance you could, yeah, some, some you could still walk in and oh, you catch him coming out. Yeah. You used to go down yeah. to West Ham's training yeah. ground. You just walked in. Harry Redknapp would say a cup of tea, and uh, or sometimes make it himself. The players would be going past. It was Harry Redknapp doing a press conference. Came in, what player it was. And was it was it one of our colleagues asked Harry Redknapp, "Are you interested in signing this player?" Was it one of the Romanians? Oh, yeah, it was. And he, he actually denied that Dimitrescu. West Ham were one of those. Oh, no. right, okay. It was he, he, he denied denied that they were interested in signing him. Mm. And as he said, not interested. That player walked past the window out to training. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one! Fantastic. Yeah, I can't remember the name. <laughs> Middlesbrough was my, the, the one that always make, used to make me laugh, isn't it? Brian Robson here, they could they had about eight different press officers and could come back with no comment in so many different ways. It was unbelievable. They realise now that coming back with that all the time is just doesn't help their club either. And the ones who know that actually it's good for your club to get publicity, it's good for them to be in the papers. Maybe it won't always be what you want it to be. Better to be talked about than not talked about. 
breathe the air, the same air as these <laughs> as two the, star footballers. Star players. I, yeah. I, I remember a couple. Of, well, this is a long time ago in Arsenal's training ground before they had this separate area for the academy and the media and the press conferences were literally just in the entrance up the stairs very near the canteen and uh, one of my colleagues Andy Dillon was having a chat to someone and was just staring out into the canteen while having a chat and the security came up and uh, uh, told him off for watching Patrick Vieira eating what a crime and and then literally the next week was the first time all the blinds were put up Um, so the journalists couldn't watch any of the players eat because we all love to watch players yeah. eating. Of you course. see, that's how you know the way you go training and yeah, the way no, you do your studying. That's the perk of the job, so isn't it? But I think the club's problem in terms of when you've got a superstar or a big player now, I, th- I think actually clubs have got an issue getting much access in a funny sort of way. It's not just the the journalists talking to these players. In terms of getting these players speaking on the various media channels. Uh, be it on the website or on their own TV, that, that they have a real hell of a, a you know, task now to get the players and the managers don't often care to say you have to do the club mm. stuff. I mean, you know, again, going back, but you know, Fulham had Dimitar Berbatov and it took them months or half a season just to get him to do an interview for the programme let alone to do an interview with any of the national papers. I remember they, they tagged it exclusive on the front of the programme, thinking, God, if, a, if, a, if, a, if a club can't get um, you know, some time with one of their own players, we haven't got a chance in hell. Certainly some of the English ones I can think of who thought it was their duty, if they're the captain, to come out afterwards. Uh, Gerard, somebody who springs to mind, who would always do it. I mean, didn't go hiding. Terry, certainly the earlier days, uh, would certainly put himself up. He felt... It's my responsibility. If we've had a bad game, I'm the one who has to talk. Didn't go missing. Anyone can come out when they've won 3 or 4-0. But when they've lost 3-2 to a, a club at the bottom of the table, yeah. I think that's when you see the measure of a player. Arsenal have had some bad ones. You know, because Thierry Omri was very good. Recent years, I don't think Van Persie was a very good captain. He was only captain for one year. Fabregas wasn't very good. And Lauren Cashel has been an utter disgrace. Obviously, he's left there now, mm. but he's been captain for some time. And, you know, in all the times, you know, we've covered Arsenal, barely ever heard him speak and it was a few years ago two and a half years ago Arsenal got thrashed at Bayern Munich it was, it was actually I think it was Theo Walcott who was always very good with the press and Walcott said look this one's for the captain chaps we've just lost we've been thrashed so Koscielny comes through head down and wouldn't speak and I don't think in all his time at Arsenal I've barely ever heard him speak and I think for a captain of such a big important club uh, not able to actually you know, speak to the fans I think uh, it shows you that maybe the media department of that club over a time may be working in a different way to somewhere like Tottenham uh, where you actually do hear the players speak Charlie referred to Henri being very good at this but after Arsenal lost the European Cup final um, there was a lot of speculation about it might be leaving and stuff like that. I do remember him getting on the on the microphone of that plane on the way back, talking to all the press and all that, saying how much he appreciated all their support, how much they hoped it hoped it been a great season, pretty classy. And when when we've had him as a columnist as well, when he was a player and latterly as a as a pundit, he actually would love to ring you up and talk for ages oh, and Jerry. ages about the game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, not always did he want it in his column, I have to say, sadly. <laughs> he, wanted, he wanted to be the best he could be at mm. everything. Which but is impressive. Not Friday afternoon at three o'clock. I mean, he had an incredible football knowledge. And, and, and even once, I remember joking, we used to meet for, yeah, do the interviews at a hotel. And I remember once joking that he, he didn't know. Um, a team in the championship, and he like literally listed eight or nine of the players. And you know, incredible mind. He, he, he wasn't great, so great at laughing at himself, Thierry. 
I remember one occasion um, he was the face of EA Sports FIFA and um, one of my I, I did uh, again an interview with him to to um, basically you know plug EA Sports FIFA and that you know he had to do it with us because we had a contact with the Sun and um, he looked at the game and he, he wanted to, to, to play Arsenal so I'm a Norwich fan so I had this bizarre thing in his hotel room and he's Arsenal and I'm Norwich and he kept passing to himself <laughs> just to just to look a bit closer and uh, did you whack him while you're diving uh, and I, was, I was whacking him all the time I remember my defenders were Craig Fleming, Fleming and Malcolm Mackay he was getting more and more annoyed yeah. with me the more I was fouling him and uh, one of our former photographers uh, then said um, <laughs> he was getting really annoyed by now Terry. it was nil nil and our photographer goes, you must love this game, Thierry. He went, why? He goes, well, at least you can head the ball now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> which point, Thierry put the controls wow. down. And, and had Whoa. a face-to-face wow. photographer. Didn't quite see the funny side. That was brilliant. <laughs> That's hilarious. Did you get, like, did you notice, an, was there a notable difference between a big, big sort of top four club and a club lower down the league? Or is it... Oh, absolutely difference, yeah. yeah. In terms of the way that they... attacking plans, at you? And yeah. They, and they're really decent... To hang on, I'll take the example. I'm going to take Watford last season uh, when a lot of the um, the racist stuff was going on, and um, we we asked, I think, on the Wednesday morning if we could speak to Caballet, Christian Caballet, and by Wednesday afternoon we was over the training ground doing the interview. Have you ever had moments where your conversations have been completely lost in translation with a particular player? Oh, frequently. <laughs> Is that in English? It's accents. <laughs> well, it's I'm, not so much I'm, horribly wrong, but I, re- I remember us doing one, me and Matt Dickinson doing one with Gennaro Gattuso, who couldn't speak any English, really. It's before he's gone to before Glasgow Rangers. Quick. And... Um, he had he had a hat on which said Reno is now, and there was a, there was an interpreter there, and he was in a bad mood. And any time we asked a question, he just kept pointing to his hat. Reno is and, and he said Reno is now. I mean, whatever question we asked, so you know, do you think you can beat England at X? Reno is now. Reno is now. Just went on for about ten minutes, and I'm thinking, what is this? What are you doing? And then he just up and walked out. I thought that oh, was possibly the most pointless one-to-one I've ever had with a player in my life. But that, you bring up an interesting point, because obviously when we travel abroad with clubs, you'll get an interpreter there yeah. translating the questions. And we went and done, particularly has to be Tottenham when Slaven Bilic was in charge. And he, he sat and we had, we went and done his press conference because we'd been out for lunch with him earlier in the day. So we went along to his press conference, which was an hour before the Tottenham one later that evening. Um, a couple of questions were asked. The translator started translating. Slaven Bilic stood up and went, that's not what I said at all. Because Slaven <laughs> speaks about five languages. Yeah, exactly. Turns out this poor fella had just been dragged in from next door to at all and didn't yeah. know what he was saying he was just God. saying what he thought See, he was giving his answer to the Mourinho not, was not very good at that. Yeah. Mourinho didn't just know languages he understood nuance and yes. everything so yeah. even if it was translated exactly word for word Mourinho would point out that he meant it to mean like that even though the words were yeah. correct I mean yeah. he was just astonishing the, the, the way you sit there and he goes from Catalan to Spanish to English to astonishing stuff mm. and why they bothered having translators there mm. goodness only knows because they really yeah. he, Mourinho at times he said look at the translator like it yeah. was absolutely stupid Hot, Roy Hodgson was very good as well yeah. wasn't over the years obviously you know with his languages as well certainly quite rare for an Englishman mm. to be so adept at press conferences yeah probably quite a rare breed there wasn't yeah, it yeah. a little quick fire round best team to cover Jigo well, I'm going to say Tottenham okay Charlie 
Oh, um, well, for sp- speaking to players afterwards, to Tot- Tottenham at the moment, Tottenham are right up there. Yeah. Sure. Best team to cover over the years for me has uh, has been Manchester United. If you don't do them on a regular basis, I think if you do them on a regular basis, it probably gets you down. But I used to do a lot of them in Europe and just interest wise just from a journalistic point of view I, I enjoyed it because there was always always stories out of Manchester United they could draw nil nil in a boring game win three nil lose three nil it was always box office and that to me as a football reporter is what you want would you say it, they're still the biggest club yeah like, definitely yeah, I, I'd, I'd in say, terms of interest yeah. uh, them it, and Liverpool aren't they internationally 100% I mean, I mean in, in, and you know a lot of the Liverpool players are very good at talking afterwards at the moment mm. uh, Arsenal uh, uh, again uh, going back to them opposite to Tottenham um, they're not very good and, and you know they're very difficult to speak to afterwards and at the Emirates they've worked out how to avoid going into the the mix zone, mm. the interview area. But even uh, last season at Brighton, I was waiting to speak to them and none of the Arsenal players walked past. And the, the, the lady who's in charge of the mix zone That's at the That's just Amex, not right, is it? That's she then right. admitted that Arsenal, the first club since Brighton moved into the Amex, to worked out the secret route. <laughs> so, you know, she said, A, they're not allowed yeah, to go this yeah. way. B, they've worked out the fire exit. Uh, and, and C, someone's done a recce. To find yeah. that out, haven't they? They've not I mean, just, they've really you know, thought about that. not suddenly taking the wrong turn. Yeah, yeah. 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 They've spent as much time yeah. finding their way to go, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. And on that note, <laughs> gentlemen, it's been a pleasure once again. That is it for this uh, edition of Swedes 2 Turnips 1. I'm Reshman Chowdhury. Thank you once again, Sean, Charlie, and Paul. We look forward to uh, having you on the pod again. Hope that you all enjoyed it as well. If you did, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or your favourite podcast app and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the show, please rate and review as well. We'll see you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.